Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. This is episode 58, the week nine recap. I'm Daniel Guevara. Alongside me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are finally back after taking a little bit of a break last week from our broadcasting. But, Lupe, how did you spend your time away from the field? Well, actually, yeah, I actually didn't even get away from the field. Um, Like I mentioned on the previous episode, my daughter participated in the Coolidge Youth Cheer Camp, and she was able to perform at the Coolidge Push Ridge game. And it was cool to actually be there. Um, I got to give a huge shout out to Dr. White because he saw me in the crowd and Danny had had kind of pushed him towards me too to ask me to participate in that halftime game, which was what what did you have to do there? It was I, some I was type seeing of the little video. It was like some type of dragon thing. I forgot what they called it, but I had to just like get the the goal of the game was to get the entire streamers around my arms, and I lost. I didn't get the name of the winner, but I graciously lost. Took my photo and then had to discard you know the 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 paper ribbon away afterwards. But it was totally cool to be there and see that happen and then afterwards like Coolidge just came out and made it a really competitive game I got to see what it's been like in the past couple of games I don't know if it was the same for you when you were at the Ben Franklin game of how flat they can come out in the beginning of a game granted they had a brand new tunnel I was gonna just ask about that and that was a whole different experience to see them burst out of the tunnel and I thought that that would give them a little bit more of an extra like oomph, but it you know it didn't quite happen that way in the beginning of the game. It kind of crept on maybe about in the second quarter where I could see that fire start to light within them. But all in all, it, it was a good experience to to sit there and to watch them rename the field. Uh, a couple of of the guys that I got to compete with in that halftime game uh, were grandsons of uh, the late Alva Hawkins, so. You know, congratulations to them and their family of, of for having the field renamed after you know such a great coach in Coolidge football history. So, it, it was a great experience. I know that your experience during our bye week wasn't so pleasant, right? Yeah. Before I get into that, how was it like? You know, usually when you take a bye week uh, for yourself, you still go attend a game and want to kind of take your pictures and stuff like that. So, how was it just being able to sit in the stands and? actually enjoy the game as a fan rather than as a media personnel. Okay, so I'll be honest. I, and I even told this to Danny too. I was like, man, I kind of wish I was, I didn't have to you know, put JC in this camp so that way I had the ability to, to go to a different game. She's like, don't be like that. You know, this game could turn out to be better than you think. And it actually did. But that was my feel. Like in the beginning of the game of how slow it was, I was like, man, I could, go, could have gone to any other game. But it ended up turning out to be such a good game. And then I, I want to give another shout-out to Jordan Johnson, who ended up being the Max Preps player of the game. And to see him at, uh, at the carnival afterward and for him to see me and then be like, hey, did you see that I got that? It's good to see that even though they did take a loss at the end of it, that he was still recognized for his hard work. And then especially with it being his senior season, you love to see him get that recognition now. And for me, as you were saying, it was a little bit of a a different Friday night for me as I was actually under the weather. I got sick uh, earlier in the week, so I was actually tuned in to uh, the Coolidge game. I was trying to jump back and forth between that game and the Florence Gophers and Ben Franklin game, which we'll touch on here in a minute. But all in all, I thought, you know, from a viewer's perspective and not trying to analyze a lot of the game, I thought, you know, Coolidge definitely held their own in that game. I was really impressed with the fight that they portrayed uh, in that game. Just like you said, I just wish the energy was a little bit higher than what it normally has been uh, over the course of the past few weeks. But all in all, for me, it was just a different environment being at home. You know, I did get to spend more time with the kiddos. We did have my son's uh, birthday. We actually had to postpone it from Friday and do it on Sunday on his actual birthday once I uh, I was able to get out of the house. But all in all, a great weekend, more turned it into a family event rather than kind of focusing on all about football and, you know, the games that were going on. But definitely had my eye on a few games out there. But from there, let's kind of dive into uh, this week nine recap. 
and we're going to start off in the 4A division. Let's start off with the matchup between the Arizona College Prep Knights and the Combs Coyotes. Arizona College Prep defeated the Combs Coyotes 53-0. Flawless victory. And doing so, they finish with their records being 5-2, and two, and Combs drops to 1-6 on the season. Now, with it being seven games into the regular season for the 4A and 5A, was this where you expected Combs to be, even if you had known about their injuries and, and all the things that they would be plagued with? Record-wise, uh, definitely didn't have them at 1-6 and six, uh, at this point in the season. But at the same time, they're playing tough competitions. We talk about that week in and week out. You know, the top three being the team that they faced on Friday, Arizona College Prep, Arcadia, Vista Grande is not an easy opponent. And then also having to play teams like Mesquite, you know, which is a team that is kind of making its way uh, back into this 4A uh, rankings. But all in all, you know, it you knew it was going to be a down season for Combs with the amount of seniors that they lost. It's just unfortunate that being plagued with injuries, it seems like they are a much underdeveloped team than what we thought at the beginning of the season. It just goes to show just how important it is when you lose a lot of seniors to have those players be able to fill in those roles. But, of course, some of those key players that were filling in roles are out for the season. And you get scores like this, you know, 53-0, to zero, definitely not something that you want to see when you're a team like Combs who was right on the brink of things to uh, make the playoffs last year. But all we can do is hope that they're able to put together some good games here uh, in the stretch of things. Got three more games to go, but I know one and six is not where Combs wanted to be. And in this game, we don't really have a lot of numbers to go off of for the Coyotes. I can see that Jackson Castro, the junior quarterback for ACP, went six for 11, had 119 yards, but threw for three touchdowns. And not only that, they were able to get their senior in, number 16, Warner Larson in for a couple of attempts himself, and he even threw for a touchdown. Although he did throw for an interception, it was a pretty good night for Arizona College Prep for them to go that far deep into their bench. Now, one thing that we did notice about Combs last year was that, that it was a pretty deep squad. This year, they don't seem to be as deep because they did lose a lot to graduation. Do you think that next year or in the years to come after they're able to get over these injuries, that by next season we'll be able to see the, the Combs of old? Uh, absolutely. If they can stay healthy, they're a really good team. I mean, we, we saw uh, some of their uh, games early on. I know uh, some of their players went down uh, in a scrimmage, but... Uh, Some of their uh, earlier games, they were in some of those matchups. And I think that come into next year, you're going to see a different Combs type of team, especially when these kids are seasoned for another year and they're able to return a big core of their offense and defense. You know, but they kind of shoot themselves in the foot right here, going down 40 to zero in the first half. And by that point, you know, you you have uh, AZ College Prep pretty much subbing in everybody in order to uh, get their second uh, string player some playing time. I just think coming into next year, it shouldn't be trying to focus on what Combs did last year where they had this heavily senior team, but kind of just focus on getting back to their winning ways. Whether that's three games, four games, hopefully five plus games uh, coming into next year, but We'll see, you know, like I said, if they're going to still be in this 4A Desert Sky region, it's going to be really tough for them, especially with Vista Grande. We know next year they're going to be returning quite a bit of uh, players. We'll see what uh, AZ College Prep and Arcadia, and like I said, you can't always hold out Mesquite, and then you got Desert Sunrise. What are they going to do in year two? So still a lot of great competition for Combs. It's just how are they going to be able to rebound? I think coming into next year, if they're healthy, they'll be okay. All right, let's roll on into the 5A. This competition was between the Tucson Badgers and the Maricopa Rams. This game finished with a score of 28-14 to 14 in favor of Tucson. 
Tucson now brings their record to two and five on the season, while Maricopa drops to three and four. Now, it's not anything to lose your head about if you're a Ram. I think that this was a game that you were, if you're a Rams player, you were kind of expecting to win going in, looking at the record. But you and I both know that Coach uh, Cam Gaddis is doing everything that he can to rebuild the Tucson Badgers program and, and turn around the negative image that the program has behind it in its past. So for them to come out victorious in this game is pretty big for Tucson High, wouldn't you say? Oh, I definitely agree with that. And if you look at it, they went up 21-0 to at halftime. Maricopa didn't score until the fourth quarter where they got their 14 points. But Tucson, you know, we talked about them. They're not a team that you could really sleep on this year, kind of like in years past. And, you know, I don't think Maricopa kind of slept on them. I think it was just an even matchup where both teams, it was going to be who got hot first and, Tucson uh, shot right out of the gate in that first half and was able to go up three touchdowns and then, uh, you know, holding Maricopa off till the fourth quarter. But if you look at it, a lot of their offense came on the ground where they rushed for 275 yards and you had three different running backs with at least 75 yards or more in uh, James Diaz, Noah Chanez, and Prince Mugisha. And so with that... You know, that is something that we talk about. It's kind of like a post and butte type of team. You are able to run the ball successfully and your defense is able to play up to par. You can do a lot of damage to teams, especially a team like Maricopa, who is a quick attack team. They like to throw the ball through the air. But when you're controlling the, the clock and the ball by rushing the ball that many times, 46 rushes on the night, you're able to chew a lot of that clock and keep a, a good offense like Maricopa off the field. Now, you got to highlight some of Tucson's offense. Let's talk about how they did defensively. Overall, throughout the night, they racked up 37 total tackles, and three of them were actually sacks. So you got to give the Tucson Badgers a lot of credit for them being able to throw off a quarterback like Jose Cardona and to penetrate past that offensive line and to give him so much trouble that – he had an off game. This isn't a game that you normally see from the, the young quarterback. We know that this is going to be a learning experience for him and the entire Rams team. So I expect them to bounce back whenever they get their next chance on the field. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of piggyback off of that, he still threw for 218 yards and two touchdowns. Granted, that was a uh, fourth quarter. So I, as we like to say, it's kind of garbage time where the other team is kind of laying off a little bit and allowing the opposing offense to drive down the field. That's probably where a lot of uh, those yards and touchdowns come from. But this is going to make for a great finish in the 5A South region because now Maricopa and Tucson both sit at 1-1 one one in the region, and then you still have Ironwood Ridge, who's undefeated in the region, but still has to play Maricopa and Mountain View uh, to end the year. And then you, of course, have Mountain View, who's kind of still in the mix. I think they're 1-1 one one in the region, or if not, they're 2-0. and oh. So either way it goes, this 5A South uh, region championship is still up for grabs and is down to those four teams. So and we'll see what happens this week for all those teams. But like I said, Maricopa has to win out probably here in order to pick up a 5A uh, South championship. All right, let's take a step back and go right back into the 4A. Let's talk about how this team was able to get their first varsity win. I'm talking about the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks beating the Alhambra Lions 28-12, to improving their record to 1-6 on the season and dropping Alhambra to 0-7. We said it last week. Somebody's O has got to go. Now, this was the first time this season that it actually went in favor of Pinal County with the Golden Hawks coming out victorious. And this was the matchup that you wanted if you're Desert Sunrise, a team that is probably right in the same mix as them or maybe a little bit under in the Alhambra Lions. And what a bounce back game from uh, Vinny Sanchez. He threw for 93 yards on uh, nine of 17 attempts and had three touchdowns on the night, but also got to recognize their rushing attack who got 
over 200 yards rushing, which I believe is the most on the year. And Vinny was able to punch in a rushing touchdown himself. So all in all, a good night from the offense. But what about that defense? They were able to stir things up for the Lions as well. Yeah, they were able to pick up three sacks themselves and also pick up two picks on the night. So it was a very good night for the Golden Hawks. A lot to be celebratory about if you're wearing the Golden Navy. So congratulations to them for being able to pick up their first varsity win on the year. We're proud of them. We know so many players on that team that that are very deserving uh, of getting this win and just being there to build up this program, and, and it and it goes beyond Vinny Sanchez. You got you got to look at at players that don't even get their names called so much, like Nick DeRosti and, and and Sean Shelby. Those guys that that kind of not necessarily get overlooked, but they just don't get their name called too often. And when they do, it, it's it's for something that's a really big hustle play. So I got to uh, tip my hat to every one of those uh, players on the Golden Hawks, and, and of course their staff for this hard-earned victory oh absolutely and I think that going forward this is a type of thing that can build momentum we know early on just how tough of a season it was for the Golden Hawks and you know being kind of out of ball games right in the first half most of the time so for them to pick up a quality victory and finally get that oh turned into a one you got to be excited and you got to be happy for them so Congratulations to the Golden Hawks, but let's stay in the 4A division and talk about the Apache Junction Prospectors visiting the Coconino Panthers, where the Panthers put it on the Prospectors, winning 71-14, to improving their record to 4-3, and while Apache Junction falls to 1-6. and Your thoughts when you see that score? When I see this score, this just shows me that Coconino was totally prepared to take on this prospector team. We, we've seen it in the past. Apache Junction is not the same team from last season. They are missing a, a lot of core pieces, but at the same time, so are the Panthers. So for them to be able to take care of business at home and put away the prospectors, it, it wasn't something that I'm really surprised by. What I'm very surprised by is the final score getting out of hand in my eyes with Coconino being able to score 71. And if I know anything about the prospectors, I know that they're pretty upset that Coconino was able to pull one over on them that big. And it just goes to show, you know, Coconino's only four and three on the year. But I had said last week, they are a very tough competitive team up north. And I think that you kind of see just how one-dimensional the prospectors are. I talk about them as a team that only really utilize two guys on the offensive end, and that's at the quarterback and running back position. You don't really see a lot of breakdown, a lot of depth that they're using in order to give these guys some rest. And so, you know, for them to give up 49 points in the first half, you got to see it just how good was their offensive playing. I mean, they scored two touchdowns themselves, but then we're shut out in the second half. But either way it goes, it's just been a tough year for the prospectors to kind of get any momentum going. I mean, playing in that 4A East Sky, another tough uh, region, and then to have to go and play a very good Coconino team, it just they've been dealt a really tough schedule this year, and it goes to show just how tough it was with their record sitting at 1-6. and six. So, it's not going to get any easier, of course, next week. They still have a Pinal County opponent waiting on them. But hopefully they're able to take this loss on the chin and be able to make something competitive coming into next week. Let's hope so. Now let's jump into the 3A conference with the matchup between the Tempe Buffaloes and the ALA Ironwood Warriors. The Tempe Buffaloes would lose this match 41-14, to dropping their record to 4 and 4 on the season while ALA Ironwood improves to 5 and 3. Now, we've talked about it earlier in the show with AZ College Prep and talking about region champions. Now, we'll get into the matchup that happened with the Florence Gophers and the Benjamin Franklin Chargers next. But looking at the ALA Ironwood Warriors, we're going to be able to see them in action this Friday. Do you think that this is a team that could possibly shake things up? and upset the Florence Gophers 
and possibly be the 3A Central champions? They're definitely working their way to it. I, I will definitely say that. You know, they rely heavily on their run game as well as having some really good defense. And we knew Tempe uh, was a different team coming into this year. They were sitting at 4-3 and three coming into this game. And we said that this was going to be a good uh, quality matchup for uh, the Warriors. And the Warriors didn't disappoint. Uh, they ran the ball for 331 yards. And Aiden Williams had 236 of them as well as four touchdowns. And if somebody that is getting hot at the right time, it is that young man who has not only been doing it this year, but in previous years as well. I think we've been following him since his freshman season. And every year he just seems to set the bar higher and higher for himself. I want to say he is the leading rusher in 3A right now. So it just goes to show just what type of team ALA Ironwood has coming into this year. And it's just not him. You know, they have a lot of pieces on the defense. I mean, we talk about uh, Marcus Dorsey. Uh, you got Caleb Wheaton. But here in this one, you had uh, Robert Call, who got seven tackles and a tackle for loss. You got Carson uh, Carrasco, who had uh, two tackles for loss. And they continue to cause uh, havoc uh, for any offense and it helps create turnovers. Yeah, this is a team I'm looking forward to seeing this Friday night whenever we get to go right back to ALA Ironwood. It's going to be a really good experience. I know that this isn't a team that is kind of trying to find who they are. They, they know that they have found their hunger as a group. Now they're trying to put that same focus out on the football field, and it's showing not only in the scores, but in the way that they're methodically tearing apart their opponent you said it earlier Tempe is a team that is on the come up for them to only score twice in this game this shows the toughness of that warrior defense that you and I have seen up close and personal and unfortunately the teams that they've beat have gotten to feel that wrath as well now going into their next matchup with a team that was just on a bye last week how do you feel about their chances this Friday as they prepare for their final home game in their senior night? Well, if I know ALA Ironwood, they're going to want to go out with a bang at home. Uh, you can't overlook this opponent coming up. You know, uh, they've been slowly improving themselves uh, as a season has progressed. But at the same time, I won't be surprised if you see a score like this uh, come Friday night with ALA Ironwood because they are so hungry to kind of get back to where they were uh, many uh, years ago. And if you look at it, this is the most games they have won since the 2017 season where they went 6-3. and three. And before that, you know, they've had uh, some uh, greater seasons, but this is the standard that they want to set every year at ALA Ironwood. And so for them, this is the group to do it. You know, they're still pretty young. They still got a good core of kids that are going to be coming back next year, and it's only going to set that bar even higher. I just hope that they don't overlook this opponent keeping their eye on the Florence Gophers at the end of the year. You said it best. Now let's see if they're able to keep that focus coming into this Friday. Now, talking of the Florence Gophers, you said that you were watching their game with the Ben Franklin Chargers. And I know that we were going back and forth, or you were going back and forth, actually, with young Anthony Pistorio about his experience watching the game in his college dorm. Yeah, I believe he was uh, in uh, his dorm room uh, being able to broadcast it, I want to say, on the Benjamin Franklin uh, YouTube page. But, yeah, he was just sending me updates uh, as I was jumping back and forth. But this was a really hard-fought matchup. I had said that coming into last week that Benjamin Franklin was going to be that sleeper team that could possibly pick up a victory here, and they ended up doing it. They knock off uh, the Florence Gophers by a score of 10-7, to which improved their record to 6-2 and and dropped Florence's record to also 6-2. and But this was a game that Florence was winning at in the first half and just got shut out uh, the second half and ended up losing by a game-winning field goal to uh, end the game. So I talked about how good Benjamin Franklin was getting, uh, especially when I saw them play against Coolidge. 
is that they rely a lot on their defense to keep things really close. And they're, they were able to do that in the second half against the Gophers. Was it something that was of shock to you when you saw the final score? It was. I was expecting the Gophers to come out a little bit hot in this one. And looking at the halftime score when we were keeping up with it, for them to only be up by seven against Ben Franklin, it made me uneasy because that was the same kind of story that Coolidge was dealing with when they were playing them. So it wasn't anything to look at and be like, oh, okay, well, they definitely have this. But to see the final score with them losing by three is definitely a heartbreaker because this game shakes up everything in the 3A rankings. And Florence was poised to be a team that was set to host a playoff game. Now with this loss, it drops them down further where that home game isn't necessarily guaranteed now. No, and they, they're going to need a little bit of help in order to bump up uh, that rankings a little bit. But like I said, right now where they're sitting at, they may be middle of the pack by the end of the season. And that means you're going to get a tough quality opponent to play. And one of them could be a rematch with Benjamin Franklin. So we'll keep an eye on where both of those teams are at. But either way it goes, I know that Florence – is not going to uh, hang their head on this one. If you look at both of their losses, they've been uh, by narrow margins to Valley Christian and now to uh, Ben Franklin. So either way it goes, Florence is still a scary team. They're scary tough, and I know that they're going to bounce back next week and be able to end the season with eight wins and be 3A uh, Central champions because – we know at the beginning of the season that this was our pick and they still have an opportunity to uh, cash in uh, on that and be able to uh, hoist a region championship banner in uh, their gyms. It, it, like I said, it was just a crazy game. Either way, two teams that fought to the very end. It's just unfortunate that Ben Franklin had the ball in the final seconds and was able to get a field goal to in that ball game. All right, but let's wrap up with the game that I touched on earlier which was a matchup with the Push Ridge Christian Academy Lions and the Coolidge Bears. Push Ridge had came into this game losing two games in a row, but you couldn't see that in that first quarter as they came out on fire, knocking out the Bears three and out for the Bears' first couple of drives. Now, with this game finishing 31-20, to this improves Push Ridge's record to 6-2, and while Coolidge drops to 4-5 and on the season. As you were watching this game and going back and forth between this and the Gopher game, what were some things that stood out to you as you were able to watch this from home? I really thought Coolidge was going to possibly pull this one out. Like, Even though um, Pushridge jumped out early uh, on the, the Bears, Coolidge didn't give up, and that's one of the things that I was really impressed with. Uh, you know, it started with Maurice Glass. He rushed the ball up the middle, and I don't know how it happened, but somehow broke through not only his opponents, but his players as well as they were all grouped up and rushed in for a touchdown. And then they were able to get Pushridge to punt. And then Maurice Glass caught a, a pass out of the backfield to take in for a touchdown. So at the half, it was only a seven-point game. And I thought Pushridge was, even though they had lost two straight, they were a team that, I thought was going to put it on them kind of like Sabino uh, did to Coolidge, but it was kind of the complete opposite. And if you look at it, the tale of it all has been what Coolidge has struggled with all season long, and that's taking care of the ball in the red zone. You know, uh, they had a couple of turnovers in the red zone, a couple of interceptions in the end zone. And then even when they had Pushridge turn the ball over, they had an opportunity to – uh, get they had an opportunity to take the lead they had the ball there and then it was unfortunate that uh, Javante Wall fumbled the ball and gave it right back to him so three costly turnovers was the difference in this ball game but at the end of the day I cannot be disappointed with the effort from Coolidge and just how they played till the very end and they still had the opportunities to possibly pick up one of the biggest upsets of the year yeah they definitely had that chance but it was a window that was open and shut. 
And you were right. At halftime, it was a seven-point game. And even in the crowd, there was this sense of, I think we could win this. And that's something that you haven't really felt on the sidelines, especially at home, on a Coolidge game. So for them to pull a game together where not only did they bounce back in the second half, but they were able to keep this game close. Granted, they did have a couple of interceptions, but that's what you have when you have shoddy quarterback play. And that's not a stab or or a jab at Wanye because Wanye came into this season expecting to be a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And for him to go into that role, we've talked about this privately, this is probably something where he should have been in a position all year. He could have been that type of person to give Gavin that good competition to bring out the best player in both. And in that game, he went 13 for 24 with 258 yards and a touchdown. Granted, there were a couple of interceptions in there, but if you look at that stat line alone, it's very impressive. And, and for like I said, for somebody who was expecting to be a wide receiver this year, those are pretty big numbers. And I think that uh, Wanye threw for the most yards for Coolidge in this game. But, you know, it's kind of been there uh, for the Coolidge offense. It was just finding that right fit to play QB1 for the Bears. And, unfortunately, it came a little bit too late, you know, as we're already nine games into the season. But I still applaud Wanye for the efforts. And I applaud the defense for Coolidge as well as they held Bubba Mustang to only 134 yards passing and no touchdowns and one interception. And we know what Bubba can do under center, and he's been able to pick apart uh, certain defenses, but he wasn't able to do that against the Bears. So I really applaud them. And, you know, even seeing uh, players like Maurice Glass, who I think set a career high in tackles with 19, uh, Eli Vias had 13. Coolidge, at the end of the season, will possibly have two players with over 100 tackles in the year. And seeing the amount of pressure that they can put on a offense, it was just unfortunate that Andre Dukes, they kind of neutralized him throughout the majority of that game. It wasn't until the very end where he was able to put the most pressure. But when I look at the final score and I look at what I saw on Friday night, I am not disappointed in the effort of the Bears. They just unfortunately had a couple more turnovers that proved uh, costly in the end. But just keep your head up and finish out strong. Uh, you know, I know they got a bye week this week, and that's all we can hope for is that the Bears will possibly finish at 5-5 five and five at the end of the year. Well, let's talk about the rankings as they stand right now. The 2A division rankings, looking at our teams alone, Santa Cruz Valley sits at number 6, and ALA Anthem South is at 45. Now, Is this exactly what you were expecting when we were thinking towards the end of the year of where Santa Cruz would be sitting? Or do you feel like they should still be a little bit higher? Uh, Seeing the top five teams, I mean, of course, I think that they should be higher than Santan Charter. I'll go through the top 16. You got Arizona Lutheran, Pima, Scottsdale Christian, Santan Charter, Camp Verde, Santa Cruz, Phoenix Christian at seven, Tanka Verde, Veritas Prep, Parker at 10, Tonopah Valley, Tombstone, Chandler Prep, St. John's, Bisbee, and Scottsdale Prep. Whenever I look at this, it's a really good uh, stacked uh, top 16 teams. Uh, We do know that there may be a couple teams in there that win their division that might knock somebody out. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, I did not expect Santa Cruz to be in the top six for sure at the beginning of the season, but they've gotten really hot. I just think for me – I would have them either at four, but no lower than five. You know, uh, Scottsdale Christian's a good team, and Arizona Lutheran and Pima are two uh, powerhouses in the 2A division. But I still think that they're not getting the absolute respect that they deserve, especially beating a a team like Santan Charter. But we'll see. I mean, they have two big games that can possibly bump them up into the top four if they're able to uh, win out. But either way it goes, I'm okay with them at six. I just think that they could have possibly been in the top five easily. What about yourself? I had that same argument with them being behind Santan Charter after just beating them a few weeks ago. Still kind of unnerving, but nonetheless, they're in the chase for a playoff game at home. So we got to applaud the Dust Devils on every bit of their improvement that they've been able to do this season. 
All right, let's move into the 3A division where we have our teams. We have Florence, who dropped down to number 10. ALA Ironwood now in the top 16, sitting at 16. Coolidge at 21. And Santan Foothills at 28. I'll go over the top 16 teams right now, and you tell me if you like where our teams are sitting or if there's some teams that you think would have been a little bit higher or a little bit lower. We'll start off. You got Mojave, Paradise Honors, Valley Christian, Sabino now in the top four after knocking off ALA West Foothills, who is now at five. Thatcher at six, Blue Ridge at seven, Push Ridge eight, Benjamin Franklin nine, who now moves in front of Florence, who sits at 10, Marenzi 11, River Valley 12, Gilbert Christian 13, Winslow 14, Safford 15, and ALA Ironwood at 16. What what is that telling you? That 3A division is stacked, bro. When you look at those playoffs, it's going to be really tough for especially a team like ALA Ironwood to go into a place like Mojave or even Paradise Honors, a team that's so hot, they're getting attention nationally. And speaking of nationally, their quarterback is ranked number one in the nation in passing yards. So always keep that in mind when you think of a team like Paradise Honors. So for the teams of ours that are actually in this ranking right now, I'm a little comfortable of where they're sitting, especially if you look at a team like Florence. They're still within that top 10, so they're still getting the respect that they deserve. But nonetheless, they're behind Benjamin Franklin. But... The fact that ALA Ironwood has been able to creep their way into it at 16 could possibly jump ahead of a tough team like the Bulldogs in Safford and maybe behind the other Bulldogs in Winslow could shape up to be a very interesting season for 3A as a whole. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this shapes up within the next two weeks. If things ended now, of course, ALA Ironwood would be playing the undefeated Mojave Thunderbirds. But is there a team right there, if they can possibly jump up, that you might think that ALA Ironwood can upset? Or is it just a tough stretch either way it goes? It's a tough stretch. If they had to play Mojave or Paradise Honors, it's going to be a really tough match for them. If they were able to jump up a few, I think a game with them and Sabino would be a really, really good matchup because... We've seen how Sabino likes to run the ball. We've seen how Cam Hackwork isn't afraid to air it out if he needs to and how good that ALA defense would be against him. I think that that would be the best matchup for me. What about you? Oh, no, I definitely agree. I think if they're able to move up, uh, you know, a few spots, the team of Sabino would be their best fit to play against, especially when we know Sabino's defense is not as great as their offense. And so I think if they're able to move up, they may be able to upset a team here. It's just those top three teams are the top three for a reason. And I know that they will serve as a tough opponent for anybody. But if you look at Florence, if things ended right now, they would be playing Blue Ridge and traveling up uh, to uh, the mountainside. What do you think about that? Like you see from let's even go six if you look at things from 6 to 11, you have Thatcher, Blue Ridge, Push Ridge, Ben Franklin, Florence, and Marenzi. I think out of those opponents, I may want to play Push Ridge or Blue Ridge in the first round if I'm Florence. What about you? Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. More leaning towards the Push Ridge side, not really knowing what's going on in Blue Ridge. I know that they they definitely been a formidable opponent throughout their entire tenure. So I feel like, if, you, if you're looking for a quality opponent in the first round, yeah, you can play a Blue Ridge, but if you're looking for a team that you might have a better chance of winning, look no further than the Push Ridge Christian Academy Lions. Either way, it's going to be a tough, tough opponent for either of our playoff teams if they're able to uh, sneak in. I know Florence is almost a guarantee now, where a- ALA Ironwood, they may need to win out in order to uh, lock themselves in uh, that top 16. Shaky Warriors. So let's move into the 4A division where we have the Vista Grande Spartans sitting at 14, Post and Butte at 24, Apache Junction at 37, Combs at 43, and Desert Sunrise at 45. And I'll go over the top 16 before we talk about our teams. You got Yuma Catholic at 1, 
Canyon Del Oro at number two now after knocking off Micah Mountain in a great game where they won, stopping Micah Mountain on a two-point conversion. Northwest Christian at three, Arcadia at four, Micah Mountain five, Buckeye Union, Arizona College Prep, Lee Williams, Thunderbird, Eastmark at 10, Walden Grove at 11, Bradshaw Mountain 12, Snowflake 13, Vista Grande as we said is 14, Glendale at 15, and look at that, Coconino now in the top 16. What do you uh, see whenever you look at these top 16 teams? Looking at these top 16 teams, if it were to end a day, I would feel for Coconino because Yuma Catholic, the, the way that they're able to continue their greatness, because when we came into this, we knew Yuma Catholic already as a powerhouse. Here we are three years later, and they're still able to produce quality players and succeed in every facet that they've ever been handed because last couple of seasons they were in the 3A they dominated that now look at them in 4A still at the top they are one of those teams that are possibly getting relegated into the 5A within the next couple years so looking at this 4A I'm glad that Vista Grande is still in this to play but looking at their opponents if they were to stick around where they are those top three four teams are really going to be tough. And if they have a chance to meet in Arcadia for a second time, you would hope it would be in favor of Vista Grande as they would be able to put away this team who is actually in their region. Oh, no doubt. It's going to be a tough stretch for them because no matter if they move down or even if they move up, those teams do not get any easier as you got Micah Mountain at five, Buckeye Union at six, and then possibly another uh, region opponent in Arizona College Prep at seven. So it's going to be a tough stretch for Vista Grande no matter where they sit at. But either way it goes, they're going to make the playoffs, I believe, at the end of the season. And they're going to get their first taste of playoff action. And I just know that they're going to be ready. It's just what opponent are you going to have to be ready for? That's going to be the big question because in that top I'd say seven teams, maybe even eight with Lee Williams. They are some tough opponents. And let's not even forget, you have Yuma Catholic and Canyon de Oro who are also being considered for the Open. And I don't like that personally. Uh, I know there there's a lot of communities, you know, in Yuma and uh, here in Tucson who are not happy with that. They want to see uh, their teams in their respective region, in their respective division, fighting for a state championship, not having to go play possibly a first-round matchup against a Liberty or um, a Basher or Chandler, those type of teams that they're up there in that open eight every year for a reason. I just don't think these 4A teams are quite ready. I may be wrong, but I don't think they're quite ready for that. So, But we'll see. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. And I'm rooting for Vista. I just hope that they can pick up a couple wins uh, to end the season and possibly move up the ladder and maybe even crack uh, that top 10, possibly. Well, if you're an undefeated team and you're getting those looks, you gotta you got to accept them. But at the same time, I could see where CDO is coming from. You've worked this hard to work towards one goal and then somebody sidetracks you and say, hey, why don't you come play with us when it's a, it's a higher risk but lower reward because you're you're in a position where you're one of the top dogs and you could possibly have a first-round buy and then you go into a different total different total bracket where you're looked at as the underdog. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of hope that CDO and Yuma Catholic stay in the 4A and not get into the open division. The open division, in my eyes, is kind of reserved for the 4A and 5A. It's for that blurred line between the two where that competition can go either way on both sides. So I think that that's where they should keep it focused and leave the 4A teams out of it. Oh, 6A and 5A. 6A, 5A, excuse me. Yeah, and I I would definitely agree. I mean, to me, I think a lot of those type of teams are already either in 5A or 6A as well, and they should definitely be reserved. Or if anything, if you're going to bring a team from a 4A or 5A, do it like basketball does. And if they get knocked out of that tournament, allow them to go in place. Like keep that number one, number two seed open. And then if they get knocked out, then you adjust the uh, scheduling um, accordingly. But 
I mean, it, it's definitely tougher with football than it is for basketball in a sense because in basketball you do get buys and you're able to uh, wait on what opponent you're going to be playing. But if you go in and you pick up a victory in an open division, you, uh, there's another team that got to kind of fill uh, that uh, 16th spot. So I, I see the difficulties in it, but we'll see what happens. But let's move on into the 5A division where we have Casa Grande sitting at 13 and Maricopa sitting at 35. And your top 16 goes like this. Desert Mountain 1, Desert Edge 2, Higley 3, Horizon 4, Apollo 5, ALA Gilbert North 6, Buena 7, Ironwood Ridge 8, Cactus 9, Raymond S. Kellis at 10, Notre Dame Prep 11, Sunrise Mountain 12, Casa Grande at 13, Central 14, Millennium 15, and McClintock, which is a big surprise for me, sitting at 16. So you see this one. I know there's two teams you still feel shouldn't be where they uh, should be at. But other than that, what are you looking at there? McClintock. McClintock sitting at number 16, knowing that they got beat by number 35, Maricopa, earlier in the season. A huge surprise to me. If they're sitting at 16, I don't see why Maricopa and Tucson aren't sitting at 27, 28. If that, but, but again, we don't really understand what goes into the thoughts and consideration for these rankings. But again, those two teams that you spoke of earlier, Buena and Ironwood Ridge. No disrespect to the Colts or Nighthawks because I know that they're putting in the hard work to get tremendous seasons. But I feel like those high praises and and good recognition of being so high in these rankings are going to get to a scorching halt as they play teams like Casa Grande is going to have to go into Buena and knock them off. And when that happens, does Casa Grande jump into a, a top five, top six conversation where they're a team that's hosting a 5A playoff game? Or are they going to be like it is in 2A with the, uh, Santan charter ahead of Santa Cruz Valley is it going to be one of those situations I don't quite know but in the end I have a feeling that that's exactly what's going to happen Casa Grande is going to put away Buena they're going to be in the top five top six they're going to possibly have a home game and I, I I don't know what happens to Buena after that after a game like that because then you have to put into focus all the teams that Casa Grande has played and you don't I don't necessarily know if that'll keep them in the top 10, or will they even stay in the playoff picture with teams like McClintock still in it? And you're talking about Ironwood Ridge? Yes. And, you know, that was the biggest surprise for me. You know, I can respect Buena, who's currently only has one loss. I believe they're 6-1 and one on the year. But when you think about Ironwood Ridge, they play in that 5A South. There's no strength of schedule that, to me, says – they are the number eight best team in 5A. And, you know, I think that if they were around where Casa Grande is, you know, between 10 and 16, I'm okay with that because at least, you know, they're getting the respect only having one loss. But there's another one-loss team in 4A who's not getting that respect, and that's Vista Grande who has been playing better quality opponents than a team like Ironwood Ridge whose only loss is to Buena. And so, but if you look at their schedule, they beat Seton Catholic, Empire, Douglas, Saguaro, Flowing Wells, Tucson, and they're most likely going to beat uh, Nogales this week. But when you look at it, what quality opponent outside of losing to Buena can you sit there and say they are the number eight best team in the 5A uh, division? If you want to squint hard and think of the past, maybe Seton Catholic, but no one in their schedule really impresses me when I look at their wins or even their quality of wins. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. And their opponents just aren't quality opponents. If, if you go to a team like Flowing Wells, a team that's one and six, Saguaro is two and five. Those aren't really teams that should be boosting your ranking up to be in a top 10, let alone in the top eight of the 5A. 5A is super competitive. You got to look at the teams who are, are left out looking in and have to look at a team like McClintock there. 
sunny slope. The Vikings have to sit at 17 while if the season ended today, McClintock would be in it. That would be disrespect to me. You look at Canyon View, another team that's that's struggling to, to change their image. Sunnyside as well. A lot of good teams in that 17 to 20 spot who could possibly take over and be a better quality opponent for a team like Desert Mountain or Desert Edge. But it, it's 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 all a matter of what happens in this Friday and the next Friday to come. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, I, I just hope as the season progresses, we're going to see a little bit of change whenever it comes to maybe the difference is we've been seeing max preps rankings for pretty much the first half of the season. And then now we kind of go off of the AIA because at the end of the day, that's the most important one, you know, when it comes to, uh, where these teams end up and who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. I just need to get a better understanding as to why a team who's only beat teams with either a 500 or below record sits at eight compared to everybody below them. And I'm not just saying that about Casa Grande. I'm talking about everybody below them because if you look at some of those uh, Phoenix teams there, I'm sure they're wondering why a Tucson team who hasn't really played anybody is sitting above them. But either way, we still got three more games in the uh, 5A division, and it's all going to play out, and we'll see where the chips fall. But that's going to wrap it up for our rankings, and let's go in to our favorite segment where we're going to talk about this week's matchups and get a little bit of rapid fire going on. And so we'll start out with our first matchup, which is going to happen tonight, which is going to be the 5-2 and two Casa Grande Cougars, who will be at home against the 4-3 and three Sunnyside Blue Devils. Who are you taking on that one? I got to go with Pinal County's team. I got to go with the Cougars. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going with Casa Grande on this one. I think that this is definitely going to help uh, their rankings with Sunnyside sitting at 19. But either way it goes, I think Casa Grande's going to win, and I think they're going to win big. But I'm going to lock it in. Lock it in. Our next matchup is going to be the game that we are taking a stop on our Grand Canyon Gridiron Road Tour. It is the matchup between the ALA Ironwood Warriors and the Santan Foothill Sabercats. Santan comes into this game at 2-6, and six, while the Warriors are 5-3. and three. Who do you got? I got to go with one of the hottest teams in 3A right now, and that's the ALA Ironwood Warriors. I think that this is a game that they can't overlook their opponent, but they got to go and get a statement win to set up a showdown with the Florence Gophers in the last week of the season. How about you? I got faith in Coach Carlin and the boys, but I got to go with my gut on this one and say that ALA Ironwood is going to pull this one out, and you can cash that in. All right, so we have an away game for the Florence Gophers as they're going to be traveling to Queen Creek to take on the Crisman Rattlers. The Gophers sit at 6-2 and two, uh, on the year while Crisman is 0-8. How do you see this one shaping out? I feel like Florence is going to take the fangs out of Crisman and walk away winners. How about you? I think it's a good bounce-back game for the Gophers get their uh, offense in a uh, swing. I think it's going to be a lot of points put up by that Gophers offense. I'm going to lock in Florence on this one. In our next one, it's a very heated 2A battle that has lots of implications going into the final part of our football season. The Santa Cruz Dust Devils hosting the Chandler Prep Titans. Santa Cruz is at 7-1, and one, while Chandler Prep is at 6-2. and two. Who do you got? I've been thinking about this one all week long, and it's going to be a battle. Like you said, I think that for Santa Cruz to pick up this victory, they have to play lights out uh, like they did against Santan Charter. But I'm going to stick with uh, one of the hottest teams in 2A. I'm going with the Dust Devils on this one. But what about yourself? Who are you taking on this one? I got to go with the Dust Devils as well. The, The way that they have been able to turn this season around, and not only turn it around, but get into the playoff picture immediately. I got to give a huge hand to the Dust Devils. And before we lock this one in, if the Dust Devils are able to win uh, on Friday night, 
they will be your two-way salt region champions. So take that into consideration just how big this matchup is on Friday night. Our next matchup is a Pinal County clash with two teams that are struggling to find their footing this late in the season. I'm talking about the matchup between the Apache Junction Prospectors and the Post and Butte Broncos. Post and Butte is 3-4 and four on the season, while Apache Junction is 1-6. Now, this is a big home game for the Apache Junction Prospectors. Do you think that they are going to be able to withstand the run game of the Post and Butte Broncos, or are the Broncos just going to trample the Prospectors in the process? I'm going to go with Post and Butte on this one. I think their uh, offense is going to be able to tire out uh, the prospectors, and I know that their defense is always coming to play. It might be a couple of touchdowns, maybe even a little bit more, but I'm locking in the Post and Butte Broncos. How about yourself? I got to cash it in too. Post and Butte on three. All right, let's go into a 4A matchup between the Arizona College Prep Knights who are going to be hosting the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks. The Knights currently sit at 5-2, and two, while the Golden Hawks are at 1-6. and six. Can Desert Sunrise make it two in a row? No. They, and I, I love those boys. I want them to succeed, and I don't want this to sound so harsh when I just immediately answer no, but Arizona College Prep, bro, they, they're, they're not the team to mess with. We found that out when they played Vista Grande, that they weren't in this to be – anybody's footnote i think that acp pulls this one out how about you i'm going acp and i will lock that in in a big 4a matchup the arcadia titans will host the combs coyotes arcadia is undefeated 7-0 on the season while combs the struggling team is one and six who do you got i gotta go with arcadia you know uh combs has not been able to play up to par with some of these tough opponents that they've been dealt this year. And it's just unfortunate. It just seems like week after week, they're playing the best of the best here in the 4A division. But I'm going to go with Arcadia, and I think it's going to be pretty decisive. Yep. You can go ahead and cash it in that I got the Titans on this one. All right, let's go into another 4A matchup, which is going to feature the Vista Grande Spartans, who will be hosting the Mesquite Wildcats. And this is going to be a very good game as Vista Grande sits at 6-1 and one and Mesquite at 3-4. and four. What are your thoughts on this one? I got to show my Spartan pride on this one and back the gold and black. How about you? Oh, I'm going to uh, ride uh, that wave with you as well. I think Vista Grande is going to come back. I hope that uh, their team comes in healthy this week and they're able to put a stomping uh, on the Wildcats. So I'm going to go Vista Grande as well. And in our final matchup in the 5A conference, we have a team that's not far from home for you, the Mountain View Mountain Lions hosting the Maricopa Rams. Both teams are three and four, and this has huge implications as far as region champions would go. Who do you got? Man, I like both teams here. I think it can go either way, uh, really, when I look at it on paper. But I want to say I'm going to give the edge to the team up the road. I'm going with the Mountain View Mountain Lions to knock off Maricopa. I just think that they have a good run game going. Their defense comes to play week in and week out. And I'm hoping that they can find a way to uh, pick up a victory here. How about yourself? You know what? I got to go with you on this one. I feel like Mountain View is going to be a team that is going to give Maricopa a lot of trouble. I saw that look on your face right now. You thought I was going to back the Maricopa boys. And I, and I know that they were probably feeling I was going to lean that way too. But seeing the way that they were able to just drop the ball metaphorically against the Badgers, I don't think it's going to get any easier when you face a team a little bit better than them in the Mountain Lions. So cash it in. I got Mountain View on this one too. So that's going to wrap up our rapid fire at the bell. But you know now we got to go into our no doubters and our sleeper picks. So give me your no doubter for this week. My no doubter for this week is going to be the Post and Butte Broncos beating the Apache Junction Prospectors. Who's your no doubter? 
For my no doubter, I am going to go with the Casa Grand Cougars tonight, knocking off the Sunnyside Blue Devils. And, you know, like I'm trying to stay away from those absolute no doubters that well, we're going to make this a little bit more fun. So I'm taking Casa Grand tonight. But let's talk about some upsets here or a team that we didn't choose. Who could be that team to have that upset pick? The biggest upset of the night would be the Crisman Rattlers beating the Florence Gophers. Now, I know this is a long shot, but you know the story with some of those Rattlers players coming from the Florence Gophers team from a while back. I think that that would be an ultimate story to tell. What about you? For me, since you want to go drastically upset and pick the biggest odds, I'm going to go with the Santan Foothill Sabercats to possibly knock off the ALA Ironwood Warriors. And that's just because both teams have played each other so well over the last couple of years. I know that if uh, Santan Foothills is able to stick around, it's going to uh, make things very interesting later on in that game. So I'm going to go Santan Foothills. And you got Crisman, and we're going to lock that in. But that's going to do it for our matchups. Our rapid fire, no doubter, and sleeper picks are all locked in. And we are ready for week 10 of the season. But before we wrap things up, is there anything uh, that we missed that you want to talk about? Not that I can think of. I do want to say, again, shout out to Dr. White. And another huge shout out to Mr. Anthony Gonzalez, the former athletic director for Coolidge. Everything that you set in place has helped Dr. White improve everything that he's done. And I told him in private, uh, and I'll share those comments publicly, where I shook his hand and I said, thank you, Dr. White, for leaving this place better than it was when you left it. And now that you're back, you're making things better. You see that the Bears have a tunnel, that the field is named after a coach. Like People in that rich Coolidge Bears history are getting recognition now, and and you got to love it. What about you? Is there anything that you feel like you forgot that you have to mention now? Um, I think that it would be this is going to be our last broadcasting game uh, of the season, of the football season, Um, and it will end with uh, ALA Ironwood. I'm looking forward to that game, and I'm excited uh, to be able to go back uh, over there and be able to get that hospitality again. But for me – You know, I will be taking a vacation uh, for the next two weeks. I know me and you are still going to link up to uh, do our podcast each week, but there's no more games that we're going to be viewing this year, at least for the regular season. And so I just want everybody to know that. Thank you all for all of your support for every spot that we've been to this year. We, We know things weren't always the smoothest, but we try to make the best of it for our first year. And I think... Overall, we have to be proud of the product we put out there, and it's only going to get better, uh, you know, as the years come, and we'll see what uh, happens with playoffs. I know the AIA will be reaching out to us if we are able to pick up a uh, playoff game where one of our teams is hosting, but either way it goes, we still may do a radio version for the playoffs and be out there still on the broadcast headsets when I do return uh, on November 10th, so Uh, Keep an eye out for that. We'll talk about that more um, as the season uh, nears its end. But other than that, man, how proud uh, do you feel about our first year broadcasting? I'm very proud. I feel like we've done a lot that has not only put the attention on Pinal County, but here in Southern Arizona as well. I feel like the traction that we are getting with not only the players, but the communities that these players are from, and to have them reach out to us and ask us about our involvement or, or what, how we would feel about going to see them. Like, we got Arizona College Prep players coming to us and asking us to go see them play. And to me, that tells us that we're doing a lot to the point where other people are taking notice. And I, and I got to thank you again, bro. Like, this, this is something that I'm very proud of when somebody talks to me about, you know, what they're doing. I can't wait to, to mention the varsity breakdown. And I know that... In the years to come, this is just going to get bigger and better, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I'm happy to have you here along with me. I mean, we're 
going into year three, uh, constantly growing and making things bigger and better. And just hopefully uh, people that are listening and the people in the community, they're appreciative of what we do. And we just want to be able to say thank you to you guys for uh, staying involved with us and helping us grow uh, not only the varsity breakdown, but also bringing attention to these schools and these players and making other people want what we have here in Pinal County in Southern Arizona. But going forward, uh, if you guys are interested in sponsorships or want advertisements uh, starting uh, for next football season, please reach out to us. We'll definitely send you guys uh, our information breakdown on that. And if you're a team out there that we didn't get to go see this year and you want us out there next year, please uh, reach out to us and we'll start because uh, we're going to switch things up coming into next year where we're more likely going to go week to week rather than having the whole tour laid out at the beginning of the season. So we are able to broadcast some of the most competitive games throughout the course of the season. I feel like that would definitely be the key to not only succeeding, but showing the best that Arizona has to offer. I feel like it would be a lot better to showcase two teams that are in the hunt for something than to show two teams that are fighting for a rivalry or just trying to to make the best out of their season for both squads. So I'm looking forward to what next season brings. I know that this season has been very fruitful for us as far as meeting so many people, getting in contact with so many coaches, athletic directors, and so on and so forth. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow night as we head out to ALA Ironwood. Absolutely. It's going to be a great experience. I'm hoping that we have a couple of uh, fresh faces in our booth as we're not going to be joined by Chris Kidney this Friday. So I'm hoping that our viewers get uh, a different sense of, of a broadcast this time around. No, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And if you don't have nothing else, I will see you next week via a Zoom call as I'll be down in Kansas and we're going to try to make things work and bring you guys the Week 10 recap. So thank you all for joining us. I'm Daniel Guevara. He's Lupe Ramirez, and we'll see you guys next week. Take it easy.